Welcome to chapter 6 of Shara Betochen. This is chapter 6 out of 7 chapters. If you remember from the very end of the preface, the uh, compiler's preface at the beginning of Shara Betochen, Rabbeinu Bechaya gave a, like a little tagline for each of the chapters. And he told us already that chapter 6 is going to be about the pledge takers, the collateral takers. We've spoken about it before. Um, do you remember which joke I told you about the collateral takers? Where else can you park a car in Manhattan for $90 in a month? Okay, anyways. I think it was $90. Anyways, $60. You'll look it up. Pull up the archives. Anyways, we're talking about the pledge takers, the collateral takers. These are people who uh, Rebena Bechaya uh, doesn't... Well, I don't want to say he doesn't like these people. He doesn't like this way of being. And he's vociferously uh, attacking. He's launching a polemic here in this chapter, in chapter 6 about how terrible of, a, of a, an attitude toward serving Hashem this is. And, uh, you know, Rabbeinu Bechaya, I've, I've pointed this out before, he likes lists. He seems to like lists because he makes a lot of them. So this chapter, chapter 6, is a list of seven points, seven bullet points of what is so terrible about the attitude of the pledge takers. Vorayisi, and I have seen it fit. Lahadrais pneisichlusam vetausam bedas hazais beshivanyanim. To expose the ignorance and the error in this outlook in seven ways. Agale bohem gedel pausam. I will reveal their great error. Veim yarchud vareno. And even if it entails a lengthy discussion, baavorshiyesh bezemin habiush. This will put to shame and reproof the advocates of this attitude. And these are called, Rebbeinu Bechaya calls them, the pledge takers. They're like a merchant. Who sells on credit to someone he doesn't trust. And he takes a pledge from him at the time of the sale. Because he's afraid. He doesn't have very, very much faith in this person. That maybe the buyer is not going to have the money to pay. If I sell on credit, you're going to walk off with the merchandise. And later on, I'm going to try to collect. And you're not going to pay. You're not going to have what to pay with. So, you know, I saw a sign. More than once. In God we trust, all others pay cash. So actually, that attitude is correct when you're talking about people. You don't want to trust people? Go ahead. But what Rabbeinu B'chai is talking about, people have this attitude toward Hashem. All right, I'm going to continue here. V'harishayin, and the first way, the first way in which the person who we call a pledge taker is really making a big mistake is... And the first response to such a person. Here are the talking points. You should say to him, You who doubt Hashem's decrees. And you don't believe in his great power, his great might. Wow, that is very poetic. 
you whose light of intellect has been dimmed, whose lamp of understanding has been put out, overcome by the darkness of your desires. It would be good for you to take a pledge. In what case? Allah, but rather, from your fellow, from your friend, from another human being, who has no power over you, and whose command does not obligate you, who has no authority over you. However, it would not be correct for a hired worker to insist on receiving from his employer a security for his salary before he even started working for him. The kol shekain, so how much more so, however, if it's a servant, shalai, yemashkin adenov, kedem avedase, lay bepanasase, he would, if he would demand collateral before he begins to serve, kalvachaymer, how much more so, ha neitzer shalai, one's creator, yemashkin yaitzre, kedem avedase, lay, he demands a pledge from his maker before he starts to serve him. If you're dealing with people and this person doesn't owe you anything and you have no recourse and you have no way of following up and this person doesn't owe you anything and you have no ties to them, I understand. So you have to take collateral or you may want to take collateral. That makes sense. But that's not exactly what we're talking about here, is it? What we're talking about here is not a metaphor of someone See, you're thinking you're the merchant and, and God is the, um, the buyer. And you're letting him take free merchandise. Every time you give him a mitzvah, it's like you're letting him take free merchandise. It's walking out of the store without paying. He's saying that's, that's actually not the correct metaphor. The correct metaphor, or closer to the correct metaphor, would be like you're a worker. Not that you're a merchant. You're a worker. And you, imagine you would tell your employer, you know, I want my salary up front. Or he says, even more absurd, imagine you're a servant, an indentured servant, an avid. And you say, I want you to pay me up front before I start my servitude. Kind of absurd. Well, how much more so then when it is even... Where, where the relationship is removed by this, by orders of magnitude, because we're talking about your maker, your maker who has created you to serve him, and you're going to tell him, I can't start serving you, I can't start performing the function for which I was created until I get something up front. It's absurd. It's absurd. Not to mention, it's insolent. So... But he, he's not even talking about how insolent it is right now. Right now he's just saying it's absurd. That's why Rebbeinah Bechayah starts off and he says that this person's mind isn't working properly. He's, he is viewing the entire relationship incorrectly. So let's continue here. Umina teima ki avedas ha'eved la'adeinav amanas shi yifra lo'ischare achra avedase g'naihu. It is... Absurd, the notion that a servant 
would serve his master on condition that he be paid for his services up front. And it, and it, it is disgraceful. Kamesha Amru, like it says, It says, do not be like those servants who serve on condition of receiving a reward. So, kol shekein sheyoyiz ponev, now we're talking about the insolence of it. Kol shekein sheyoyiz ponev levakish mashkein biparnasasei kedem avedasei. How insolent it would be, even more insolent than a servant who demands being paid up front by his master, it would be even more insolent chutzpah for a person to tell Hashem he wants his payment up front before he'll start to serve Hashem. This is a similar idea to what the Torah is speaking about when it says, Is this how you repay Hashem, you foolish and unwise people? The Nader Bakredish adds an insight here. He says that in addition to how foolish it is and how insolent it is, he points out something else, which is more of like, uh, I guess you'd say, more of a sign of something, that the fact that he wants to be paid up front is more symptomatic of a deeper issue, or it's, it's indicative of something. He says, when somebody wants to be paid up front like that, you kind of get the idea that maybe their heart's not really so much in the job. And that even when they're going to do the job, they're not going to do it properly because we see where their prior- priorities are. So that's a Nedar Bakedish points out that just the attitude that he tells Hashem, you know, take care of me first and then I'll start to do what I'm supposed to do. It's, uh, I mean, he's basically revealing what he really cares about. He cares about getting what he wants. And you think that's going to stop? You think he's going to get satisfied, and then and then he's going to be able to focus on working. We're going to talk about that, and we have seven points, and one of them is that it's never enough. He's never satisfied. He tells Hashem, "When I'm secure, I'll start serving you," and he never feels secure because, like we've spoken about many times in Shabbat and security is a totally subjective thing. You know, when do you ever feel secure? Okay, so, anyways, um, let's continue. And the second point that we're going to say to refute this attitude. When a person receives a pledge from his fellow, his request is limited. The Teva Lavonin points out, in regular business, there's a limit to what the mashkain is. It's, it's not an emotional thing, okay? It's just a numbers thing. There's a certain amount that makes sense mathematically that secures the risk that the creditor is undertaking. But here, there's no number. There's no end to it. There's no end. He explains it. But someone who has this attitude, we call the pledge takers, there's no end. Because... He doesn't know what will suffice to support himself and his family in basics and in luxuries for the rest of their lives. And even if he would be given double the amount of money that he's ever going to need for him and his family for his entire lifetime, even if that would be the amount, he still won't rest. The measure of their days is unknown. He doesn't know how much, 
how, how long his life's going to be. So he's ignorant of what he's asking for, since he doesn't even know it's immeasurable by him. In other words, when you're asking for a mashkain, it should be a quantifiable number. Here, he doesn't even know what the number is. He doesn't know what the number is. What is it? How much money does he need to have guaranteed to him before he knows that he's taken care of? He doesn't know what the number is. Now, he can make up a number. We can all make up a number. Right? And then what happens? You make up a number. Afterwards, you start doubting the number. <laughs> That's why when you're in business and you know, somebody says, well, how much do you want to get paid? And you tell them a number. And they're like, okay. You're like, why did I say that number? <laughs> you could have told them a higher number. Huh? Okay? He doesn't know what he needs. So what is he asking for from Hashem? He's asking for something endless and unquantifiable. Not just unquantified, unquantifiable. Maybe there's a better word in English for that. But that's what it is. The hashlishi and the third talking point against this attitude. One who takes a pledge from his fellow will do so only if he has no outstanding debts to this fellow and the latter has no claim against him. In which case, he is justified. He's justified in taking collateral from this person. Avol, however, if he already has outstanding debt, to the guy who you're thinking of is asking you for credit, he's been giving you credit. You're indebted to him. He knows that he has legitimate debt to this person. So, you would, for certain, you would not ask a mashkin from that person. What do you mean, get, give me a mashkin? He, he, he's been giving you a mashkin this whole time by letting you owe him. Uh, it wouldn't be appropriate to take a collateral from him even if he would offer it. You're indebted to him. So now you're going to tell, you owe him a million dollars and now he wants to borrow your, your weed whacker. So you're going to tell him, leave your, leave your shoe over here before, until you come back and bring back the weed whacker. You owe the guy a million dollars. So how much more so the creator? Wow, this is poetic. So how much more so is this the case with the Creator, to whom man is so truly indebted that if all the good deeds of all the people throughout all of history were credited to one person, imagine one person who had every good deed that had ever been done, it would not be enough to repay the Creator for even one of His favors. The Eichle Yisbayishzeh. So how is he not embarrassed to be so insolent? To demand Hashem should give him advance, fresh favors 
in, in, in the face of all the favors that he's already given him and is giving him. And now he's just adding on to the debt that he owes Hashem. Maybe he won't even ever pay up to Hashem what he owes him as far as service. Because he'll pass away. He'll pass away. He won't ever fully pay up. You know, it's like uh, Zusha, you, you know, this the famous story that they're going to, in the Bezdin Shamila, they're going to review my life and they're going to say, Zusha, why weren't you Zusha, right? You're not, you don't have to live up to Avramavino. You don't have to live up to Meshurman. You have to live up to Zusha. Zusha has to be Zusha. So maybe at the end of your life, you're not, if you're Zusha, you're not even going to be Zusha because you didn't even accomplish everything you're supposed to accomplish, which means you left the world still indebted and uh, you're never even going to pay up Hashem. So what an attitude, what an attitude that the person is going to say, Hashem, give me some uh, collateral here so I can trust you. It's not enough, this, what you're already indebted to him. Okay, I want to share something with you. This is a letter from, from the Rebbe, an answer to a, a young lady who was complaining about her problems in life. So you see here the facsimile of notes that the Rebbe wrote to her, and the holy handwriting. I won't go through all of it, but it starts off, in answer to her previous letter about her situation and her mood, I, I don't know what she complained about. I don't know what problems she said she had. But the Rebbe tells her, whatever problems she has, how can she describe herself in the way she's describing? And again, I didn't see her letter, but in such a negative way. If you'll pay attention to the simple meaning of the translation of the words that you're saying where Dechai Brochus Hashachar in the 18 morning blessings. Shemavareches as Hashem Bechol Yem that you bless Hashem with every day at the very beginning of the day. So the Rebbe says to her, Tira, she sees, Shinizborcha, she's blessed, Bli Ayin Hara, no evil eye. With all of these things that you're making brachas on every morning. And then in addition to that, She has all these blessings. She has good health and good parents and good education and a good environment and a, and a, and a, and a good job. And accordingly, where is the justification for complaining, etc., and more, you know, complaining and even more than that. So it's, uh, again, I, it's, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but uh, in order to finish, when I, want, when I have scheduled to finish, I just want to continue a few more paragraphs so I can finish uh, what, I, what I had planned, okay? So I just want to get to a good stopping place. Um, so I want to finish the third complaint, or the third counter-argument to the uh, collateral takers. All right, so I'm just going to finish here with this little story here. There used to be a pious person who used to say to people, B'nai Adam, people! <laughs> there was a guy who used to say to people, people, 
היתוכן שיסבע אסכם הבדה בחייבס מוכרס ביים הזה, וכן במה שאתם חייבים אחריו בשנה ושניים. Is it possible the Creator would ask you to perform today, tomorrow's duties? Duties due a year or several years from now? אמרו לי, so they would say back to him. היך יתוכן שנהיה נסבעים בחייבס הימים שאין אנו ידים אם נחיה עד שנגיע אליהם וחייבינו בהם. How is it even possible that we should be able to be held responsible for duties due at a time we may never live to see? אבל אנו חייבים עבדי ידוע בזמן ידוע וכאשר נגיע לזמן נשחייה בעבדה. We're only bound to perform a definite service at a definite time and when that time comes we'll be obligated to render the service. They fell right into his trap. He says, hey, do you think Hashem should expect you to do the mitzvahs of tomorrow today? No, how can we do the mitzvahs of tomorrow today? He says, ah, aha. Aha, Amr Lahem, he would say to them, Thus to the Creator, may He be exalted, has promised you for every definite period a certain provision, and upon you it is incumbent to do a certain Aveda. And just like he doesn't demand your work before it's time, you should be ashamed to ask him to give you your sustenance before it's time. Why do you need money in the bank? He's not asking you for money in the bank. He's asking you just for the cash that's needed today. For today's Aveda, not tomorrow's. And the same thing too. Today's sustenance, not tomorrow's. Why do I see you asking him for the, the, the money you're going to need for years to come? You don't even know if you're going to reach those years. And you're asking him to provide for you in advance with maintenance for your wife and children who don't exist. They don't exist yet. How many times you see a single guy? Before I go and shidduch him, I have to have money for my wife and children. What wife and children? Get married, you have wife and children. Okay. It's not enough just to have sustenance. You're asking not just for sustenance, you're asking not just for you, you're asking for advanced stuff, you're asking for luxuries, for an indefinite period. Not only do you not render service to him in advance, do you render service in advance? Do you like do tomorrow's tefillin today? Do today and tomorrow's tefillin today? You can't, even if you wanted to. Not only do you not render service to him in advance, but you fail to make a personal accounting of your neglect of his service in the past. Times when he never neglected to provide for you, for your needs. So he was paying you steadily all that time. And what's the proof? You're here. You're here, aren't you? Okay? Uh, but what about all the past debts that you incurred? All the Aveda that you were supposed to be doing that you didn't do? But he's not running after you for the old debts. He's just saying, you know, let's keep current right now. And you're, and you're doing the opposite. You want him to, to show that he's paid in advance. What is it? Head checks. You want head checks from Hashem, right? All right. 
Fine. So that's uh, three out of the seven arguments against the pledge takers. Amir Tzashem will continue um, next week with more of chapter six.